You are listening to audio provided by FBC Farwell. To find more resources or to donate to this ministry, please check out fbcfarwell.org. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you uh, to turn with me to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, we're going to start in, in verse 22. Um, I've entitled the message this morning, Jesus is the calm in the storm. Uh, Jesus calms the storm is another way that it could be uh, said. But Jesus is the calm in the storm. And this is one of those messages in the time that we are living in today uh, that, that I don't, there's not a lot of introduction because uh, we understand uh, the storm. Uh, next week marks a one-year anniversary uh, that we had to do the unthinkable and to, to, to close uh, the church doors and, and tell people you couldn't come. And we just had a camera set up here, and it was so awkwardly like, looking into a camera, hoping that there was somebody besides my mom on the other side of that camera uh, watching. Um, and so here we are almost, you know, a week short of a year later through a worldwide pandemic. Many of us have lost family. We've lost uh, friends. We've gone through one of the most tumultuous uh, uh, political seasons that definitely in my lifetime, probably in the lifetime of the United States, um, in the midst of a pandemic, and, and so we have family members and we have friends who, are, who are, would have never disagreed on anything, but yet we find ourselves disagreeing, and, uh, and we've lived through a storm. We are in a storm. You've probably heard this before. Uh, it's, it's been said that you have just come through a storm, or you are in a storm, if you're not through one of those, hang on, you're about to go through a storm, right? You ever heard that before? You're either in a storm, you've just come through a storm, or hang on, you are about to enter a storm. And listen, that's not, that's not pessimistic. That's just the reality. And we don't have to be angry about that. We don't have to be bitter about that. We don't have to be cynical that that is the truth of the life that we live in, especially as Christians, number one, because this isn't our home. Listen, I don't go on a mission trip to, to Colombia or, or to India or to, to Mexico, and I don't go over there and expect everything to go rosy. There's going to be some crazy tumultuous times. They're going to want me to eat something that does not fit my diet, like meat and potatoes. Um, and so things are going to get uh, a little twisted sometimes. Listen, this isn't our home. We are on a mission trip here in this world. And in that, we find ourselves in this one of three seasons. In a storm, just come through a storm, or about to go through a storm. But here's the good news. Jesus is the calm in the storm. Amen? That would have been a great place for the believers to say amen. Jesus is the calm in the storm. All right, all right. So there are some lost people here because not everybody said amen to that. That's all right. Jesus is the calm in the storm, and we're going to see that in our text. So turn with, turn, join me in Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Here's Jesus. He has been, it's kind of the middle of his ministry, this three years of, 
uh, proclaiming that he is the Messiah, he is the Son of God. He's chosen his 12 disciples. They are traveling with him, and they're just, you know, it's like they are blown away. They're trying to decide, is this really the Messiah? Is this really the Son of God? And, and, and they're in the midst of that. They've seen Jesus do some incredible things. They've seen Jesus uh, heal the sick. They've seen Jesus raise the dead. They've seen Jesus do all kinds of things, but this will be a first for them. Look at what happens. Verse 22, Luke chapter 8 says this, One day he, he being Jesus, and his disciples got into a boat and he told, told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Now, pause here for just a second. You know exactly what this is like if you're a child of God. You have invited Jesus Christ to come into your life with the promise that one day you are going to cross over to the other side, to heaven, to spend eternity with him, right? And so this th think of this story somewhat like that. Jesus climbs into the boat with the 12 disciples. They're on the Sea of Galilee. He climbs into the boat with them, and he says, Hey, let's, let's go over to the other side. Let me ask you something. When Jesus says, Let's go over to the other side, is there anything in the world that can stop them from getting to the other side? No. And we know that. We're confident that when Jesus says something, it is going to happen. But he's teaching these disciples, and he's teaching us. Listen, oh man, is this a message for us? Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they were sailing, he, Jesus, fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake, and they were being swamped and, and were in danger. Verse 24, they came and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Now listen, is that a true statement? No. Jesus has said, let's get in the boat and go on the other side. They are not going to die, but yet that is exactly what they feel like. At that moment, everything in their circumstances tell them this is the end. This is going to, de to destroy us. There is no hope after this. Master, Master, help. We are going to die. There are some storms that we go through in life where that is exactly what it feels like, isn't it? Listen, if you're a child of God, you have this promise. You've invited Jesus Christ to come into your heart, and he is saying this, when you do, we will get to the other side. We will get to eternity in heaven. But we're a lot like the disciples, right? Master, Master, when all of the circumstances around us say, this is it, we're ruined, we're destroyed, this is going to take us under we're going to die. Then Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and the raging waves, so they ceased, and there was calm. Notice what Jesus says to them. Jesus says to the disciples, where is your faith? 
Again, Jesus, he knows the answer to that question. His question is trying to get them to really think about it and to kind of go back through the scenario. Wait a minute, didn't Jesus say we were going to get to the other side? Yeah, he did say that. And so Jesus is now asking us, where is your faith? Listen, they can't even really think about that, but they must begin in the process. But notice what happens. Look, they were fearful and amazed. So their, their focus is no longer on the fear of death, of the, of the storm, of the raging waves of, uh, that are around them. Now their focus is on Jesus Christ. And it's like, oh my goodness, who is this? Like we, we know he can heal the sick. We know that he messes up funerals, like he kind of disturbs funerals when he raises the dead people. Kind of messes that whole thing up. We know that he can do that, but he can speak to creation. He can speak to the water. He can speak to the waves. And they obey him. Creation itself obeys him. Who has that authority? Only the creator. This is what's going on in their mind. They were fearful and they were amazed. Their, their mind was blown, if you will. They were amazed, asking one another, Who then is this? He commands even the waves and the winds, and they obey him. Father, I pray that you would help us to see the truth of this word this morning that you have given us. God, I pray that you would help us. God, you know the scenario of every single person that is here this morning sitting in a pew. You know the situation that every person that is watching online. You know where they're at. You know what they're struggling with. God, I pray that you would take this word and you would do what you can miraculously do by the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak to every single person. Those in a storm. Those that's just come out of a storm. And those who are headed to a storm and they might not even know it. God, remind us, teach us that you are the calm in the storm. It's in your son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. This crisis that the disciples find themselves in, here's the first point I want you to see right here. Number one, it is a divinely appointed event. Don't miss this. This is a divinely appointed event. They could not have missed this event even if they wanted to. They had to go through this event. God divinely appointed this moment in time for them. But I also want you to see this. He divinely appointed this moment, this scenario, this story for you and I. Not just for the disciples to go through, but for you and I to see what they went through and to be encouraged by it. Now listen, though the disciples had no way to know during those terrible, frightening moments, this is a divinely appointed event. That miserable storm was an appointed vehicle that God chose to use to teach them that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what God chose to use. He chose to use this storm and that boat to be the vehicle, the, 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 the lesson to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. And He has power not only over creation, but He has power over their lives as well. I wonder, without the difficulties, 
without trials, without the stresses, without the failures, would we even know how powerful Jesus Christ really is? Would we know how good he is if there was never a storm in our life that caused us to run to him, that caused us to be dependent on him? Listen, it is relatively easy for me to put my faith in something that says, oh yeah, I, I want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. So it's easy for me to put my faith in that that, that, that cost me absolutely nothing, but there is, there's, a, there's a faith there. But what about that same God who is going to save me for all eternity? Is he powerful enough to save me through the storm that I'm currently going through? Listen, we would never know that unless there was storms. If you take a lighthouse for a moment, think about a lighthouse that is setting out on the edge of a, of a rocky cliff. No one would ever know if that lighthouse was going to stand through the storm unless a storm came and hit it first. It makes us wonder. It teaches us how our ever-present Lord and Savior is powerful. And with us, and cares about us. Listen, God uses storms to be a part of our growth in knowledge and trust in Him. Listen, spiritual growth, write this statement down. Spiritual growth is often climbed on the steps of adversity. Listen, I, I encourage you, I challenge you to find someone that is, that is two generations ahead of you and ask them some of their spiritual markers in their life. And here's what they will tell you. I can almost guarantee you this 100%. Here's what they will tell you. The spiritual markers in my life were after I went through an adverse situation. But yet we want to avoid those situations. We want to do everything. It's not like we just, you know, run into them joyfully. It's not what I'm talking about. We don't invite them in. But the world that we live in, they come. Listen, I've come to realize that of all the adverse situations in my life, the real tragedy happens when and if I fail to see the grace of God in that adversity. That's when the tragedy happens. It's not the tragedy itself. It's when I miss. And there's times I miss it. That's when the tragedy happens. Or I fail to trust God more than I did before. A tragedy takes place. I miss the purpose of moving from small faith to great faith. Think about it. The disciples, they had faith that Jesus uh, was powerful. They believed that he could do some very powerful things. But, but in, 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 in um, comparison, they had a small faith when they got in that boat. But when they climbed out of the boat, listen, their faith had grown immensely. And it's a tragedy when we go through a storm and we miss what God is trying to teach us. Listen, without adversity, we would be... Now, hang on. Without adversity, we would be arrogant, prideful, and boastful in our walk with God. 
Think about it. If you, if you just take this story, take the storm out of this story, and think with me. Let's just kind of do, do uh, uh, let's just pretend like we know what the disciples would say. I think we can take their characteristics and, and maybe put some words in, the, in their mouth. So what would the disciples have said if they wouldn't have gone through the storm? I wrote down a couple of things. I think this is what would have happened. When they climbed out of the boat, when they got to the other side, I think this is some of the things that they would have said. I think Peter would have looked at the crowd and he's like, <laughs> yeah, I rode over with the king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, the Jesus I just got out of the boat with him. I rode over with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think James would have said, well, it was my boat, Peter. So don't, I mean, he got in my, he didn't get in your boat, Peter. We all know that you can't fish, so he got in my boat. Thomas says, yeah, he sat next to me. Matthew said, that's why he fell asleep, because you're so boring and negative, Thomas. <laughs> John says, well, it's clear he loves me more than all of you because he was leaning up against me when he slept. You see how arrogant and prideful? It's my boat. I rode with the king. Yeah, he sat next to me. Well, he leaned up against me, so he loves me really more than all of you. But you know what happened when they got out of the boat? Their mouth was still on the floor. They were still in awe. They were still amazed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he has authority to get them through the storm. He has the authority to calm the waves. And you know what happened when they, oh, hang on a second. When they got out of the boat, you know what happened? You know what they ran? They didn't need to be prideful and arrogant. You know what happened when they got out of the boat? They came up against a crazy dude that, was, that had broken shackles, and he was naked, and he was screaming at the top of his lungs. How would a pride help them in that moment? Wouldn't have it all. Jesus knew what they were going to face next. And so he taught them, not only do I have authority over mankind, I have authority over all of creation. He is the Messiah. And we need to learn how to go through these adverse situations where God is shaping us. He's chiseling away pride He's chiseling away arrogance. He's chiseling away self-sufficiency to where we are totally 100% dependent on him. Listen to this quote by Ruth Graham, the wife of Billy Graham. This is actually, this is a prayer. Listen to her prayer. It's on, it'll be on the screen. Listen to how she prayed regarding this topic. She says this, Dear God, let me soar in the face of the wind. The, the wind that's buffeting up against her. Let me, let me soar in the face of the wind, up through cold or the storm with wings to endure. Let the silver rain wash all the dust from my wings. Let me soar as he soars. Let it lift me. Let it buffet and drive me. But God, let it lift. Isn't that great? And you say, well, that's Ruth Graham. That's Billy Graham's wife. Can you, ladies, for a second, can you imagine being married to Billy Graham? I mean, hang on before you go. Well, that's a lot better than my, hang on. <laughs> can you, just, just imagine for a second, ladies. Billy Graham 
spoke to thousands of people. And when he spoke, they listened. And not only did they listen, but they responded when he spoke. Billy Graham went to hundreds of countries, and when he arrived, the red carpet was rolled out for him. He was treated, not always, especially in his younger days, but as he got older and God's anointing was, God's anointing was always on him. But you know what I'm saying. As he got older and, and, and just was well respected as he should have been. I mean, he just, he spoke to thousands and thousands of people. And people just uh, was in awe. But ladies, what do you know about your husband that nobody else knows? Right? Like, can you imagine, like, your husband coming home and saying, why aren't you listening to me? Because thousands, of, now I know Billy Graham would never do that, but, but don't, don't just write it off as Billy Graham's wife. Listen, they faced turmoil. I guarantee it. They faced storms in their life. And so this was a prayer that was birthed out of adversity. And here was her prayer. Oh, God, use the wind to lift me, not to bury me, not to destroy me, but use it to lift me so that my small faith turns to great faith. Perhaps a storm is raging in your life right now. You're so beat by the storm in your life that you wonder if you're going to make it. Perhaps a marriage is foundering. It's about to sink. Maybe the constant rhythm, of the beating of the waves against your life is stress in your job or some terrible disease or financial struggle or a disobedient child. Whatever the trial, whatever the storm that you find yourself in, much like the disciples, fearful and drowning, but in the midst of the fury and the confusion, if you will ask God to meet you in your deepest distress, you can. And you will ride on those afflictions to new heights. Your faith can grow from whatever level it is at this moment. As you reach out to God in your storm, your faith can reach levels of new heights that you never thought possible. Listen, such an act of trust will become a revelation on the timeline of your life. This is what I was talking about. Find someone a generation or two generations older than you and ask them about the spiritual markers. Here's what they will say. They will point back to a trial that they went through and that God, God moved them, God shaped them, God helped them to see that He is faithful. Listen, such an act of trust will be a spiritual marker in your own life. It will be a, a moment in time that you'll be able to go back when you face another trial. And you'll be able to go back and say, Oh God, you were faithful in this moment. Oh God, you were faithful at this moment. Oh God, you were faithful at this moment. And you were faithful all throughout Scripture. Therefore, God, what I'm going through right now, I can trust you are good. And you are faithful. Listen, such an act of trust will be an anchor that will hold you when the storms rage. Follow me? Such an act of trust in the middle of the storm, asking God to meet you in your deepest distress 
will rise your faith to levels you never could have imagined. Now, think this through. This storm perfectly suits the Lord's purpose to prove that Jesus is the Messiah, to strengthen weak faith to great faith. And that's pretty clear. When you look at verse 25, his first comment to them afterwards is this, where is your faith? So what is he doing? Not only is he saying, I am the Messiah, I, have, I am the Son of God, I have authority over all of creation, but he is also wanting to strengthen their faith. Where is your faith? The Lord creates a storm. He allows the storm. The Lord is in the storm in order to demonstrate that he can be trusted, watch this, in the storm. God can be trusted in the storm. Why? To increase the same reason he did it for the disciples, to increase our faith. Listen to this quote by C.H. Spurgeon. It's on the screen. You can follow along with me if you will. Look at this. It says this. If you would find the men who serve God the best, you must look for the men of the most faith. Little faith will save a man, but little faith cannot do great things for God. That's good. Little faith cannot do great things for God. Verse 24, they came to him and they woke him up and they said, Master, Master, we are going to die. Now think about this. They were used to the Sea of Galilee. This is where the majority of them spent their life. Many of them made their living on the Sea of Galilee. They're used to it. They knew what type of storm. They knew how severe of a storm was safe to be out on the water. And this was not one of them. So in this mixture of hopelessness and hope, in a mixture of terror and faith, in a mixture of panic and trust, they started tugging at Jesus to waken him. And it's not clear. It's not exactly clear. Are they awakening him just to inform them they are all about to die? Are they awakening him to tell him and to ask for help? We don't see them ask for help. All we see them ask or to say is, we are going to die. But now they knew. Now they knew he had power over demons. They had seen it. They knew he had power over disease. They had seen it. They had seen him heal people. They seen him heal blind people, deaf people, crippled people. They knew he had power over death. But could he stop a storm? That is the question. The disciples were asking, and it's a question that I believe many who are listening today is asking as well. Can Jesus, my Savior, stop the storm or will He deliver me through the storm? One or the other. Can He stop it or will He deliver me through it? I don't think the disciples really knew. And based on what Jesus' question is, where is your faith? I don't believe they had the faith to believe. But they didn't have anywhere else to turn. They had nowhere else to turn. Oh, listen, listen to this statement. Faith is not believing in spite of circumstances. Faith is not believing in spite of circumstances. Faith is obeying in spite of feelings and consequences. They felt like they were going to die. The circumstances around them looked pretty grim. 
Faith is obeying in spite of feelings and consequences. I wonder if it bothered them that Jesus was asleep. Jesus, you invited us to get into this boat and to go to the other side. Now you're asleep and we're going through this trial. And you're just asleep. Where are you, Jesus? Where are you? Where are you, God? I think it bothered him. But we see a remarkable insight into Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. Watch this. In a moment, Jesus is going to calm a storm with an extraordinary display of power. But first, he sleeps in a weary body. Here's Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, all at the same time. And we see it. He's, he's exhausted. He's weary. And he goes to sleep. But he goes to sleep in full faith, in full trust, and he rests, knowing that it's going to be okay. Knowing that this is not the end. Jesus' sleep was the sleep of fearlessness. It was the sleep of trust. It was the sleep of sovereignty. It was the sleep of an all-knowledge and all-power. He knew that at any moment he could awaken and stop the storm. And he does. Of course, through the eyes of the disciples, those on the sinking boat, Christ seemed to be unaware of the danger they were in. This is where we're at, oftentimes. We catch ourselves asking the same question, does he even know or does he care? Pastor by the name of Gordon Lightfoot, he makes this statement. He says, does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn to minutes into hours? Does anyone know? Sure. He hasn't gone anywhere. But he's using those waves, he's using those moments to raise our faith from small faith to great faith. Scripture tells us he knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. God knows every wave that crashes against our self-sufficiency. He is the all-knowing, all-powerful, sovereign God. Jesus doesn't just learn of my troubles when I pray and ask him about my troubles. He is completely aware, which leads me to my second point. Point number two is this, Jesus calms the storm. Jesus uses the storm, but he also calms the storm. Look again at verse 24. They came and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Then he got up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, so they ceased, and there was a calm. Jesus calms the storm when we have been stripped. This is key. Jesus calms the storm when we have been stripped of our self-sufficiencies. They come to Jesus only when they're desperate. Isn't that the way that it usually is? Like, like we go through a storm and we, we think that we can handle it. We can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We can, we can get through this. We can, do, we can kind of grit our teeth and bear it. We can get through this. But when, it, when all else fails, like when there's nothing else we can do, then we go to God. It's exactly what the disciples do. It's okay, though. I want to give you some grace. We've all done it. 
I believe that the Lord allows the desperation to come, and he uses it. Not only does he allow the storm, not only does he teach through the storm, but he allows our desperation to use it. He uses it to drive us to him. For many people, if there's not a desperation, it's likely you're not going to come to him. Unless there's something that's driving us to him, we're just not going to go. For the Lord himself, he created the storm. He uses their desperation to drive them to him so that they would know that he has all authority. So listen, it's okay to come to him in the storm. It's okay to come to him in desperation. The last thing that we want to do is to go through a storm and then run from God. The last thing that we want to do is to face trials of this world and then just think, man, God, God, God would be angry at me. God would be mad. I should have come to him a lot earlier. No, no, listen. You use that situation to run to the Father. He's using it. That's what he's, the purpose of it. He's using it to draw us to him. But Satan wants to turn it and say, oh, no, 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 listen. He won't accept you. He won't let you do that. No, you must run the other way. If you've ever tried that, you know that that is just one storm after another. Storms in our lives will occur within His purpose, and very often for that purpose, it's to bring us to the end of all of our human resources. Only God can change things. You know, these men were very familiar with the Psalms. The Psalms is, is full of Scripture songs that they would sing that, that God, the creator of the world, has the authority over the water. That God, the creator of the world, has the authority over the wind. So you can imagine, here's these disciples. They know the Word. They're, they're faithful to the Word. They know the songs. They've been singing them all of their life since they were little children. And here they see they are in the boat with someone who is speaking to the wind and to the waves. And the wind and the waves obey Him. So they're recognizing in their fear, in their desperation, He is the Son of God. Listen, I believe oftentimes our life is much like that occasion in our text this morning. We're living our life with little to no margin. Hey, this is another thing I believe that COVID has taught us and maybe even this winter storm. We're living our life with little to no margin. Many people are flat out exhausted. Many people are just weary trying to keep a pace of life that, let me just be honest, it is unsustainable. And when we live with no margin, it's just edge to edge, schedule-wise, time-wise, financially, health-wise. When a crisis comes out of nowhere, what happens? It destroys us. But we must do what they did. We must run to the Master. Listen, go to Jesus in prayer. Go to Jesus in Scripture. Go to Jesus in song. Go to Jesus by going to a faithful brother and sister in Christ and, and unloading on them and, and asking them to pray and to lift you up. But whatever you do, go to Jesus. He has the power and He has the authority to calm the storm and also 
to deliver us through the storm. And listen, church, I would just encourage you. And I'm preaching to myself here as well. Let's go to Jesus first. Before we try to do it on our own, let's go to Him first. He created the world. He will use the storms to draw us to Him. He will use our desperation. He will use our brokenness, all of it, to draw us to Him. May we go to Him first. And when we do, regardless if the circumstances change, trust me on this, He calms the storm. Let me say it again. When we do, when we go to Him, Regardless of the circumstances, He calms the storm. Thank you for joining us for worship at FBC Farwell. If you made a decision for Christ, please let us know by contacting Pastor Russ at russ at fbcfarwell.org. We would love to connect with you and walk alongside you in your faith journey. We have some great resources to send you that will help you grow in your faith. As we close, I want to say thank you for listening today. If God leads you to give to the ministry of FBC Farwell, you can text FBC Farwell to the number 77977. Thank you for your generosity.